broadcasting from the campus of Lynn Benton Community College. We are the Mid-Valley STEM CTE Hub. I'm your host, Casey, and this, this is Closing the Gap. Woodshop in Corvallis is a makerspace that focuses on carpentry and woodworking. It hosts open makerspace hours as well as classes on topics like carving and plant stand construction. Though Highland Woodshop is about more than just learning your way around table saws and planers. It's about gaining self-sufficiency skills. They're both confidence boosting and self-affirming. It really seems like Highland is about mindfulness and mental health and making a bookshelf along the way. Today we have on instructor and co-owner of Highland Woodshop, Ashley Murbeck. Hi Ashley, how are you today? Great, hey, how's it going for you? Pretty good. Good. I'm also joined by a special co-host, my colleague and makerspace coordinator, Forrest Johnson. Hey Forrest, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. Okay. So you have a degree in human development and you work part-time as a behavioral support staff for the Corval School District. How does that tie into woodworking? Were you doing woodworking before you got into behavioral work or was it a passion that kind of developed later? Yeah. um, Well, the heart of both of these fields kind of go hand in hand together for me, but I think we'll get into that a little bit more later. But yeah, woodworking was kind of an afterthought um, for me. I did get my degree in human development and I worked for a short time um, in the mental health field. And then I had my three kids. Um, My husband was in the Air Force. So we moved around quite a bit. And um, every Air Force base, or at least all the ones that we lived on, had a wood wood shop. Um, And so I saw that as like a gleaming opportunity of being in the Air Force. So after I had my second baby, um, I decided that you know it was a good time, and so I found Mother's Day out for them, and um, went in and started going in once a week. And there was a guy in there who built stuff for the military, awards, and whatever they needed on the base, and then also there to like hold your hand through whatever you wanted to build. And I went in there having never used a miter saw or hardly a power drill. I always stripped all the screws. My husband always had to come behind and like help me with screws I couldn't get in, in and out. Um, and he helped me build my first projects. And, um, and I just totally fell in love with it. So that was kind of yeah, the That's so cool. <laughs> you co-own and run the Highland Workshop in Corvallis. It's a makerspace for woodworkers and also offers classes in carpentry and carving. Can you tell us more about the space and maybe share the story of how that came about? Yeah, sure, of course. Um, I'll kind of start with the story, I guess. Um, It wasn't really part of any premeditated plan originally, but at the same time, really intentional, I guess. Um, I remember recommending to the first makerspace that I worked in um, in the Air Force, the the teacher was looking for kind of a career change. And I suggested to him, like, you should start a makerspace, like out and go move to Oklahoma City and do that there. And he's like, oh, I don't think there's very much money in that. So I was like, oh, great, it would be cool for you. You should do that. And I continued to move around. Um, we settled in Corvallis after my husband separated from the military. And we found a house that had a big barn on it with a thousand square feet of 
RV parking space plus a couple of small garages. Um, I met a woodworking friend in, an L in the LBCC, the local community college's um, woodshop class. And he came over to see where I was gonna kind of start to develop my, or set up my own shop. And he's like, well, I was gonna use the small garage. And he's like, well, what are you gonna do with that big one over there? Like all that thousand square foot space. And I was like, uh, nothing. We're not RV people. We're not sailboat people. So yeah, right, maybe. Maybe I should make that my maker space, my, my wood shop space. So then we started scheming a shop, a space together. And then I began to feel like, this is like too big for me to have alone. Like I felt like environmentally that didn't feel right. And it was just too much for one person to have. And we could have more together. I could have bigger machines. We could have more tools. Um, and so then my daydreams began to just kind of grow. And um, then I guess the Highland Woodshop was born. And we didn't really just do a very slow, no marketing, just whoever wants to kind of spread the word. And um, and we met an awesome teacher in the in the carving teacher, it's Rose Holdorf, and um, she's really helped to use her, her experience at other venues for teaching and um, kind of help it to shape. And um, yeah, so that's how it got started. I mean, a little bit about what we do is we have makerspace hours during the day and a couple in the evening. Some of those are mentored, so they cost a little bit more, but you have a, a, a teacher there to kind of hold your hand through everything that you want to do. Whereas other hours, makerspace hours, we would be in the shop making our own things, using the CNC, building stuff for customers while you just kind of do your own thing. So that's for people who have had some experience with woodworking. And then we host classes. Sometimes, you know, people will come to us and say, I want to learn this and I'll invite friends or they, or we'll just open it up to the public and say, hey, this class is happening. Um, and then we do lots of like nature connecting classes with kids where we spend time outside and in the shop too, but mostly in good weather seasons. Um, so it's mostly what we do. Um, it's, we also have an Airbnb above the shop. And so that's been really cool too, because our families stay there. And that's one of my favorite things to do as a mental health worker is connecting parents and kids in the wood shop. And so that's been really fun um, doing that. So right on. Uh, I think it's interesting that you have like a two-part career, like two careers, depending on how you will look at it. Um, you know, because the reason the reason I'm thinking this is because our culture kind of makes it seem like a career is like a singular activity or skill. Like you can be an accountant or a muralist, but you can't be both. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about building a career based around two completely different fields. Yeah, of course. Um, like I said before, it, to me, they've become a little bit together, even though, I mean, yeah, at the heart of them, they're, they're very similar to me and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, but I get a lot of self-actualization from woodworking. And that's originally how it started for me was like, being a woman in the shop, building my furniture just felt really cool, right? Even outside of the actual act of doing it. Um, but that just gave me a, a lot of, um, you know, positive self-identity, right? And while I'm reluctant to identify as an artist, because that feels, that word feels bigger than what I am. And I'm starting to kind of like the word functional artist um, because I like to make functional things. Um, and even, yeah, and it just in small ways, I'm artistic about it, I guess. But so that just the work feels a little bit bigger for me. But um, but I digress. I have and I have an artist spirit in that I don't like doing routines and sitting and doing the same thing all the time. So this works really well for me. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there like me that are suffocating in a nine to five routine job. Um, and I really um, love the idea, or I'm 
grateful to have a part-time gig that I show up, I do my work and I go home and it helps to the financial end um, and to be able to have, you know, two things going on that I love tremendously. And I think it's a good format for, for someone who's an entrepreneur or a maker and trying to kind of bridge between the beginning of your business and making the, that financial work for a while until you figure out exactly what you want the whole thing to be, right? Um, totally. Kind of cover that middle space. Um, and also, I think, I think the world needs more generalists, like the way that we're going. I feel like it's, it's important that people know how to do lots of things. And maybe that the term like jack of all trades, master of none is usually kind of a subtle condescending or like self-deprecating thing that we say about ourselves. But I think there's a lot of pride to, there should be a lot of pride in that, that like you can do a lot of things, you know? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I was kind of wondering maybe like, what are some of like the difficulties you face down this road of like becoming an entrepreneur and starting a makerspace? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, I'm an idea person and I'm not, I don't have a lot of fear. So I just jump into things, but then the middle space is tricky. It's like, oh wait, <laughs> this means these other things that I didn't really think out quite as well. Or, and for me, mostly that's been like marketing and spending time spreading the word and um, doing the computer work versus being in the shop and to connecting with people and building things, which is where I'd rather be. Um, and so trying to make that, that end work. And then also for me, this personally is my space is on my, on my property, which is awesome in so many ways, it's right out my back door, but I, I'm not sure how much I want it to grow in my space. And so I think a lot about ultimately I'd like it to be somewhere else. And so it's kind of where I am right now is figuring out how to jump and do I want to jump from something smaller to something bigger. And I think that's, again, where the mental health um, like I'm pursuing my master's degree in counseling and I think I'm hoping to meld all of it into one so yeah that's really cool I, I like how you're thinking about kind of how this affects like mental health um, and how making connects to that it seems like uh, community spaces dedicated to making are really important to you and and, and you've seen them impact people's lives. Could you talk a little bit about the sort of impacts you've seen um, making have in the lives of uh, people in your community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's my, uh, my favorite part to see. Um, and just take the makerspace in general, like the alternative to a makerspace is usually backing a car out of the garage and pulling out 10 inch size machines and setting them up for the day and having to put them away at night. Um, and that's just, hard and inconvenient and you're limited in what you can do. Um, if you have a makerspace, you can, the inconvenience is loading wood up into your car, which usually we can keep there for you once you've done that once. Um, and then you come in and you've got, you know, 20 inch planers and eight inch jointers and tons of space to glue up and all the clamps you want. And then you have someone next to you who's like doing something cool and you're like, oh, what's going on over there? And then they'll share with you what they're doing and tips and tricks that they use. And um, there's, like no almost no downsides to it. I really appreciated that when I got to use that and not to mention the roadblocks in the way to starting with woodworking. It's easier now with YouTube and like different ways of tutorials and but there aren't as many like grandpas around to show you how to do it. Um, and so as a woman having a makerspace where you can just walk in and have everything at your fingertips, that was, it removed huge barriers for me. Um, and I like to think that we do that at Highland Woodshop too. 
Um, I wanted to switch gears just a little bit because I had heard that you host some summer camps over at your shop. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the summer camps that you host. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we started this. So I paired up with a, a yoga teacher and an awesome kindergarten teacher. And we do, and also with the, the carver, the folk artist who teaches at my shop sometimes too, um, and try to make this integrated nature slash making tools, self-sufficiency type of experience for kids. And it's all based around a book. So it's a book club building camp. So the first year we did Little House on the Prairie and we did activities all based around that. And so we have little girls out in the woods, like making houses out of sticks and um, we built hammers and a planter box. And then the cool, one of my favorite moments was seeing a little girl on the third day, there was probably two or three of them together actually, collecting scraps and using their hammers and just making like star shapes and figuring out how to put things together using a tool that they've made with their own hands, using just trash and scraps and whatever they could find. And I was like, that was a culminating moment. Like, this is what I'm doing this for. Um, But also the connection that happened between them and um, they're just how excited they felt when they would hear the roar of a blade engine and like, you know, push it down and cut a, cut a piece of wood and just really empowering for the little girls. It was fun to be a part of. Very cool. Yeah, I, I was thinking about how like, I, I was thinking about making and, and why a lot of times we talk about it in terms of like, this is good because it's going to benefit you in terms of a career eventually. Um, like maybe you can make learn how to make a chair and then you can build a bunch of them and sell them on Etsy. But I'm wondering, um, particularly for someone who doesn't expect to maybe, or even want to start a business, what do you think the value is in, in making things for yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things to think about, like, so we used to live in Italy with the military and I remember my son um, kicked a soccer ball into uh, one of our windows and it broke the glass. And so I called my Italian neighbor and I was like, Where's your glass repair person? And they were like, glass glass repair person? I don't, that doesn't exist. We don't have that. My dad can come over and fix it for you. And so I, and I kind of, that was just a parable story of like what life was like there. We lived in a small town that wasn't very modernized. I mean, you know, relatively, but like they were like in the 1960s, it felt like even going to the grocery store, but they're self-sufficient. Like they can take care of themselves. When something breaks, they know how to fix it. And I feel like, before that I had thought about this, but even more so afterward, like how many things we own that we don't know anything about. We don't know how to fix or anything about the inside of our, of our washing machines or our dishwasher or our kitchen cabinets or our cars. And um, I think that, I, I think that breeds a little insecurity in some ways that we may not even notice. And I think um, having the ability to take care of ourselves in, in, the, in as many ways as possible is something that's empowering. And that's what woodworking does for me. And it's somewhat limited in um, just with wooden things, I guess. But, um, and I think that familiarity with the tools and with the engineering of a piece of furniture, it bleeds into other areas too. And so there's just a more familiarity with everything that you do. So that, that building, that self-sufficiency is pretty awesome. And then like, it's like comparing. And, and also let me say that I, I'm very great, like there's so many, not everyone can make furniture and grow the food and make the cheese. Like people have to just, some people just have to purchase it and do work in their realm. So I appreciate that too. It's not for everyone. Um, but you know, the experience of 
say going into the mountains and fly fishing and catching a salmon and being able to repeat that anytime you need to and being in the mountains in the woods with your dog and your favorite companion that's what building a chair in a wood shop is sort of like versus just purchasing it right like having the smell of the lumber and seeing the joints come together and spending that time with this thing that you're going to sit in every night with your family there's just something empowering about that and um, just connecting with the spaces that you live in and and having your familiarity and your creativity behind all of that is really rewarding. I yeah. agree. I feel like um, empowering um, activity, especially for young women, is super important in the world that we live in. Um, and, you know, I was kind of wondering if you could, or if you had any like opinions on how young women might be able to learn more about getting into careers like this, because it's not always something that they may know about. And uh, I feel like it can be hard to want to be something if you can't see it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. And I think that's the key is modeling and, you know, seeing models of, of different ways of being as a woman and exposure to those things. Um, and like just engineering concepts in general, I think I'm a proponent of that, but also even notice how often I like gender stereotype my own kids. And when I ask my kids to do certain chores and how they kind of align with men and women than arena as as I used to see them um but so just being aware I think is part of that um and then I I feel really fortunate to live where I do and I think that there is a lot of targeted things like what you guys are doing in targeting women um in general so yeah just this is this is how you fix it is uh, or you know make incremental change um is hosting things like this and having different classes and things like OSU does a lot of that. Um, and the high school is generally really good at having some like women targeted um, woodshop activities for middle schoolers so that they come into high school with um, some exposure to woodworking and maybe more consider taking that class. But um, yeah, I think it's um, just what you're doing right now. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, do you have any advice for women that are like looking into like mental health fields or um, even more so um, like carpentry and woodworking? Um, yeah, well, I think in, in general, just being open to opportunities that you have right in front of you. Um, I think if you kind of are attuned into sort of what you want and who you are, and then things will pop up that catch your attention. And I think pursuing those things, whether they be people um, that you're in relationship with or friends of friends and, um, and just kind of trying to seize an opportunities to ask questions and connect with people who know things that you want to know um, and, and learn from things that, that people are doing. I think people really want to be helpful. I've had that experience so much in my life that people want to help you and people want to see you succeed and they want to share what they know. People want to share their knowledge. They want to share their stories. They want to share what they know. Um, and so I think doing that and then also not, not seeing roadblocks. Like if you see something that you want to do, dive in, go for it, make the sacrifices that you need to make. You kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in the show, but um, we're kind of wondering if you had any of your big plans for Highland coming up. Um, I know you were talking about like maybe growing, maybe not growing, but do you, I don't know if there's any like big exciting projects on the horizon that yeah. you're interested in sharing. This is that like messy middle part where you're like, 
but no, this year for the first time, we'll be listing our classes with um, our Corvallis where we're located in their parks and rec program. So we'll be listing classes in that catalog, which I think will get our name out to people that previously didn't know we existed. And so that'll bring on, I think a lot of the shifts and um, seeing where we go with that. And we've also been in relationships and meetings for the last year with a group that wanted to start a folk school. And, um, and so that's in the works and trying to like have a hub in um, our area that we would then you know, be a spider location, a spoke of that wheel of hosting folk and craft and makerspace and um, other types of classes. So could be a lot. And I, and I would love to interweave um, group therapy for teens and families together in making and creating those like hands-on memorable experiences. So lots of cool things, I feel like. It's yes, exciting. that's incredible. Um, yeah, that's so much good stuff. Uh, and it sounds like um, through Parks and Rec, people might be able to, to find ways to get involved coming up here soon. But uh, do you want to you know, tell folks where they can find your website and, and other ways that they can maybe get involved with Highland? Yeah, sure. Yeah, our website is highlandwoodshopcorvallis.com. And I'm getting ready to post our winter um, schedule calendar on there. And we'll have some things that will be listed on Parks and Rec and some things that will be just hosted by our shop. Um, we're also looking for people to host classes too. So if you're a maker and you're a woodworker and you want to host a class where you instruct us how to build a specific thing or you just want to host makerspace hours in exchange for a free woodshop, let me know because I would love to have um, more hours available to folks. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think actually we kind of want to talk to you a little bit about something like that after oh, we're done cool. with the interview. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, I'm going to wrap this up, but don't get off right away because we, uh, yeah, like I just said, I think we want to talk to you about something else, but um, cool. I just wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, we really appreciate your time and it's been really illuminating. Um, I really love seeing craftsmen and people, women working in STEM and in the trades. Um, so it was such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's been a real opportunity for me and also to listen to the women you've had come before me and also um, just what you're doing in general. It's a it's really real service to our community. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Closing the Gap. If you like this show, subscribe on Spotify. You can also find us on Instagram at MVSTEMCTE, on Twitter at MidValleySTEM, and online at midvalleystem.org. Until next time, keep progressing.